Hello, I'm Sven Erstring. Welcome to Let God Speak. For a young person who's trying to figure out what is really true, the world can feel like a rather confusing place. Many around us have so many different ideas and worldviews, and they all are claiming to be telling the truth. It can feel like a bit of a confusing maze. How do we know which worldview is true? The good news is that God has revealed to us his transcendent understanding of the world through the Bible. We're going to be exploring God's worldview and how we can share it with young people. To discuss this topic, we have Gail Fong. Thank you so much for joining us today. And also Clive Nash. It's good to have you here. Good to be here. Let's pray together as we dive into God's word uh, today. Father in heaven, we recognize that we are so small in this world. When we look at space and and all of the planets and, and galaxies and constellations, Lord, um, our view is so microscopic. And Lord, sometimes we try to to explain what what the whole world is like. But we want to know what your view of our world is. We want to understand your picture of who we are and where we're going, where we've come from as well. Lord, as we head into the Bible today, we pray that your Holy Spirit would transform our minds so that we can humble ourselves and accept what you want to reveal to us Today is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In 1999, Warner Brothers Studios produced what is now considered to be one of the greatest science fiction films ever created. The film I'm referring to is The Matrix, a very thought-provoking film on many levels. The basic storyline is that people don't realize that they're trapped inside a matrix It takes a computer nerd called Neo to free people from this matrix. As you reflect on the message of the film, you can detect an underlying theme of salvation, even though it's still a bit distorted. The critical problem in the film is that reality is not what it seems. We believe that we are living ordinary lives, going to work in the morning and then coming home in the evening to our families. But the reality is nothing like that. It's just an illusion, a computer simulation. We're actually trapped inside a giant matrix where highly intelligent machines are using us like a human farm to harvest our energy. Neo has to come to the understanding that the truth so he can save all of humanity. You know, the matrix is just a film, but it does challenge us to ask whether what we think is real, is actually true. You know, is this just a theme for science fiction movies or is it more of an issue in our world? Is it it possible that the world may be very different from what we believe to be the case? Well, no, throughout history, people have believed different things about the world that weren't true. Uh, For an example, 
for 2000 years, intelligent and well-educated people believed that actually the world was stationary and that everything in the universe revolved around the earth. And, you know, we can understand that why they felt that, Gail, because, of course, you know, when we stand on the ground, except when there's earthquakes and other things like that, it does feel very stationary and it looks like the stars are going, you know, round, uh, round the sky. Yes. So we can understand it. But, you know, it's, the question, Clive, is this. Is, that, is it an issue which we still see even today? Well, we might, uh, from our standpoint here in the 21st century, say, well, <laughs> those medieval people, you know, they had a pretty limited idea of things. And, mm. and we, we smiled at them. But there are a lot of well-educated people today, people with with science degrees, who think that we came out of some kind of warm pond and, you know, life just evolved by chance. Yes, yes. You know, that leads us to to a very interesting point. People will um, say that science shows that the Earth is, is moving. In fact, it's hurtling around the sun at an incredible speed of 108,000 kilometres per hour, which is incredibly fast. And so science has shown that the Earth is not stationary, as you, you observed, Gail. Um, we're also not only moving very fast, but we're located on the edge of the Milky Way galaxy um, in a remote corner, shall I say, of the universe. So I guess the question is this. If the scientific explanation for how life began was that we evolved from a warm little pond, as Darwin put it, shouldn't we automatically accept that too? You know, shouldn't we um, say, well, back in Galileo's time, uh, the, the church was wrong, so we should admit that we're wrong now and, and just accept the scientific uh, viewpoint? Well, that's actually a misunderstanding of what happened. And I have a quote here, perhaps that would um, sure. just throw some light on that. Um, John Lennox, he's pointed out that Galileo enjoyed a great deal of support from religious intellectuals, at least at the start. The astronomers of the powerful Jesuit educational institution, the Collegio Romano, initially endorsed his astronomical work and fetish him for it. However, he was vigorously opposed by secular philosophers who were enraged at his criticism of Aristotle. So this was bound to cause trouble, um, be it emphasized not at first with the church. Mm, Very interesting. That's right, uh, uh, Gail. Um, In his bestseller, A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking, he, he wrote that Galileo actually annoyed the Aristotelian philosophers um, mm. who united against him seeking to persuade the Catholic Church to his cosmology or his, his view of the, of the cosmos. Um, the real problem was that the Catholic Church was persuaded by the scientists of the day to conform to science. Well, what they thought was good science mm. uh, of their day. And Unfortunately, I think the mainstream Christianity, the Catholic Church in particular, are making a similar mistake today by adopting the Big Bang Theory and theistic evolution, for example. Theistic evolution is one of your areas, I think. You might like to just define... I was going to define it, but I thought it might be better coming from you. Yeah, sure, sure. 
Yeah, so theistic evolution is basically this idea that that Darwinian, neo-Darwinian evolution has occurred down through history and that God supervised this process, um, that that is how we came about. And in particular, that there was no observable, identifiable time when, when God stepped in mm. um, to create... So you can accommodate long ages of the earth, for example, in that sort of philosophy. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Mm. And so as you rightly say, um, Clive, you know, the Catholic Church has adopted both the Big Bang cosmology but also theistic um, evolution as well. But what I want to do is I want to, to go back to the movie The Matrix and, and the idea that was brought up in that. Because, you know, we can say, well, that's just a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, movie makers uh, produce um, stories about all sorts of things. Mm. Um, but it's really fascinating that there is a Swedish professor um, called Professor Nick Bostrom who believes that we're actually living in a computer simulation. So, so this world, everything around us is a, a simulation. And that might sound very, very crazy to you. But the fascinating thing is he's not alone. So think of Elon Musk, uh, the CEO of the Tesla car company. SpaceX. Yes, exactly. And, and also you have Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's a TV presenter on science. Both of them um, agree uh, on, on TV that we might be living in a computer simulation. And I guess my question for us today is this. What do you make of this, this idea that these well-informed scientific people, uh, the idea that they're putting forward? I think it confirms that really intelligent people can have some very far-fetched ideas. <laughs> it is amazing, isn't it? It is. I, I was thinking... Uh, as in the back to uh, the 17th century philosopher Descartes, right. the French philosopher, mm. who said uh, in his own language, uh, uh, je pense, uh, donc je suis, which we, I think has become more, it had become better known in the Latin, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. You know, yes. So I must exist because I'm thinking. That's uh, right. <laughs> um, so, you know, there are, this, this authors this idea of um, if there's design in the universe, there must be a designer. Yes. And that, that fits in with, it, with a, a Christian worldview. Yes, absolutely. So what the computer simulation concept is really telling us, or, or it kind of supports, because you know, we know that computer simulations are created um, environments, so it, it supports this idea that the whole universe is actually designed mm. by intelligent being, as you say, mm-hmm. Clive. It's really fascinating. Um, but that leads us to two fundamentally different worldviews. Two fundamentally different worldviews. On one hand, you have this idea that the universe is all that is. And Carl Sagan, another very famous TV presenter um, in the 20th century said this, the cosmos is all it is or was or ever will be. That's a classic statement from an atheist and a naturalist. But then the other worldview is that the universe is, has been created and designed. And so my question, Gail, is this, which worldview does the Bible support? Well, the Bible is very clear. And if we were to turn to Psalm 53 
and verse 1. I'm just reading there from the New King James. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. Mm. Now, it's interesting. Um, the, the biblical concept of a fool is actually not someone who's stupid. Um, what the Bible means is a fool is someone who is morally undiscerning. So according to their world, world view is how they will live and act. Mm, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that the, the wisest man who ever lived, um, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3, uh, he makes a comment here that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and on the good. Mm. So to me, what this text is saying in part is that God's got a worldview as well. You know, he, he's looking and he, he takes everything in. in yes. Um, and, and whether we in ourselves include God in, in our worldview or not, we are definitely in his worldview. That is, that is fascinating. That's a great insight, Clive. Mm. And, and I guess uh, one of the major differences uh, between the naturalistic worldview and the, the biblical worldview or the, the worldview that this world was created is the idea that God has the ability and the power to, to step in to our world and perform miracles. So um, he is not bound by the natural laws that he has built into the universe um, itself. So I guess, Gail, it comes to that question, what does the Bible say about this? Is God bound by the, the natural laws that he has created? Well, <clears throat> He is and he isn't because he goes beyond and God is a God who performs many miracles. And the Bible has so many accounts of miracles which, were, which are actually outside those natural laws. Uh, and an example would be the outstanding miracle of the of um, the beginning of Jesus' human existence when Mary was visited by the angel Gabriel and he told her that she would become a, a mother, she would bear a child and this child was going to be the son of God. Well, Mary, she was, I'm sure she must have been absolutely amazed, but she was very humble. And she just simply asked, how can this be so? Because uh, she was a virgin. And the angel Gabriel explains in the book of um, Luke chapter one, if we turn there, Luke chapter one and verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Well, this is an absolute miracle because mm. it's impossible for a virgin to conceive mm. um, of natural causes. Yes, yes. With that by themselves. It's a bit like the story of creation, isn't it? You know, there's no real explanation of how it, how it happens, how yes. it's done. Mm. It just God just states it. It's a fact. Just speaks it and, yeah. and it's there. Yes. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Clive? Is there, is there any miracles in, in the Bible which stand out to you? Well, I think if we go to the other end uh, of Christ's life, you go from the incarnation through to the crucifixion. Um, in Romans chapter 1, and uh, verses four and five, for example, uh, Paul writing here, and he, he says that uh, we've declared that Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, 
with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So he, he emphasizes here this resurrection mm. from the dead. You know, Jesus was raised back to life. As has often been said, Christianity doesn't go to, uh, to, the, to the tomb of their founder to say this is where he's buried. Mm. You know, our, the founder of Christianity is alive. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Thank and, you. And this is not natural. Mm. Know, for, for someone to come back from the dead. Yes, otherwise we'd see people coming back to life all over the place. Mm. Um, but thank you so much for reminding us of these two powerful miracles, amazing miracles. And what we want to do, we're going to go back all the way in history to the, the very um, creation of the universe, the, the, the time when the universe didn't exist um, as well. There was a, a very famous German mathematician called Gottfried uh, Leibniz, and he asked the question, why is there something rather than nothing? Why is there something rather than nothing? And that's a very pr- profound question. It's one of the most basic fundamental questions we can ask. And Gail just wanted to know, what does the Bible say? What's the Bible's answers to that question? Well, we can go right to the very beginning. And God tells us the answer in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And, it's, and it reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm. So the um, answer to that fundamental question um, is the reason why there is something rather than nothing is because God created everything that there is around us. Mm. And something that I find is just so amazing about um, this verse is that word created. And I've understood that to mean uh, in the Hebrew bara, Mm-hmm. and uh, referring to the actions of God alone because I can create a um, cake. A cake. I can make something. I can you're, you're creating design something, out of something, something. Yes. yes. Yeah. But I cannot borrow. Only God can create something from nothing. Mm. And I just find that simply amazing yes. right there in Genesis. Yes. It's interesting that the New Testament and the Bible backs this up. In John chapter 1, Um, And I'm going to have a look at verses one to three in John's gospel. It says, in the beginning, very similar to wording to the the Hebrew Old Testament scriptures. In the beginning was the word. And and he's using a code here to mean the word is Jesus Christ. Um, In the beginning was the word, that's Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the interesting part about this verse here says all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. So Jesus was the active person of the Godhead mm. who was there creating. It's incredible, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Amen. And, and Joe points out too um, that all the living creatures around us, they actually uh, say and will tell us that there is a creator and who created them. And just reading in Job chapter 12, verse 7 through to 10, it says, But now ask the beasts and they will teach you, and the birds of the air and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth and it will teach you, and the fish of the sea will explain to you who among all these 
does not know, in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. So mm-hmm. I just find that very amazing. Yes, it's it a is. wonderful thought too. Yes. Clive, it's, it's a beautiful thought in terms of all of these animals and plants. And so what does the Bible tell us with regards to the time that it took God to, to create um, life on earth originally? Uh, well, I would answer that question by referring to the Ten Commandments, as then in uh, Exodus chapter uh, 20, we have the Ten Commandments listed there. And in particular, the Fourth Commandment talks, answers this question of yours, because here in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11, after saying, remember the Sabbath day, says, because in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. So it was a six days of creation. Yes. Six literal days. Wow, that's amazing. Mm. That's amazing. You know, um, one of the questions that I I have, um, Gail, is that, you know, what about, we talked about theistic evolution, but there's another possibility and that's what we would call progressive creationism which over billions of years over Earth's history, the God stepped in to, to create um, animals so, and, and plants as well. You know, what do we think of this concept and how it relates to the Bible? Well, the problem with that idea is we're actually just not taking God at his word. Mm. He said that he created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh, the Sabbath day. So we need to accept what God says. Mm. Yeah, the Bible's clear that, that God uh, originally created the world and he said it was very good. If we, if we look at um, Genesis chapter 1, uh, for example, the end of the chapter, Genesis chapter 1, verse 29 onwards, it says, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, uh, every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. So it was a, a vegetarian or a vegan Plant-based. lifestyle. Mm. Uh, also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air. And every, every, every animal was also, uh, you know, there was no loss of life mm. uh, to be able to feed the appetite of these creatures. And then verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made. Indeed, it was very good. There was no pain. There was no mm. sin. There was no death, no suffering at all. Yes, and so what this does, of course, is that goes directly against either deep time evolutionary worldviews or even progressive creationism as, as well. It's, uh, it's a very fascinating. But I guess, um, Gail, one, one question is that, you know, scientists may come to us and say, well, you know, um, that the Bible is contradicting the evidence all around us so that, you know, if we are rational, intelligent people... Uh, we should go with the evidence. And, and how would we respond to that um, statement? Well, it's important to understand that we all look at the world through a particular lens and science is no exception. So if we took the rainbow as an example and God gave us the rainbow as a promise that he would never flood the entire world. And we read about that account in Genesis chapter 9. And I'm just reading verse 13 to 16. 
and it reads, I set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant. Mm. So, but when a scientist sees a rainbow, they just see the different wavelengths of light. So it just depends which lens you're looking at. And for us, we are looking at it through um, through the evidence of the biblical worldview. Through lens. the biblical lens. Yes, yes. That, that's amazing. So Clive, I'm just sort of stepping into the shoes of a young person, um, maybe a, a university student. And, and uh, I love that concept of what you're saying there, Gail. You know, how we're looking at the world through a particular lens. And in particular, it's, you know, we're looking at it through the mm-hmm. biblical lens. But Clive, the question is this, and I think it's a very honest question. How do we know that the biblical lens is the correct way to look at the world? Uh, well, that's a, a big question, Zven, uh, and we'd have to take several episodes, I think, of Let God Speak to thoroughly answer that one. But I'll just point out uh, two principles, I think, which may help to lead us in the right direction. Um, first of all, the matter of prophecy. That's the first one. If I turn over to John chapter 13 and verse 19, and I'm looking at the words of Jesus here, John 13, 19, he says, now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Mm. So this is, this is the first key. Mm. Prophecy and it happens is a, is a key to understanding that. The, The other one is Uh, Secondly, Jesus points to his miracles. If we go back in John's Gospel to chapter 5 and verse 36, he says, I have a a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So the miracles that Jesus performed, you know, to be able to raise... A, a, a widow's son, for example, you know, to, mm. to heal someone of leprosy. There, there are so many miracles that he performed which were outside of the realms of our natural world. Mm. So yes. firstly, prophecy fulfilled the miracles of Jesus. These are two keys. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Clive. And, and I just want to, to ask both of you, um, we, we've covered some really important topics in terms of the biblical worldview. But in, in just a quick sort of rapid fire, is there, is there any things which you would want to bring about in terms of the, the biblical worldview? Do you just want to bring to our attention today? Well, we're in the midst of a spiritual battle, but we have, we have a loving Saviour. He's not only our creator, he's our redeemer. And he promises that as we put our trust in him, that he will take us through. Yes. Any, anything that you'd like to bring to our attention, Clive? Well, it's probably a, a difficult principle, but, you know, everything is working together for good, the Bible says. Mm. You know, God's got our best uh, interests at heart and he's coming back for us. Mm. That's the really good news yes. that, that our worldview brings to us. Mm. And it's amazing at the centre of this is God's love. The fact that Jesus mm. died for us mm. on, on the cross. 
You know, this has been an amazing discussion, exploring the biblical worldview and why it is so important for the Seventh-day Adventist Church to remain committed to promoting it in our churches and schools. Every other worldview is faulty and will ultimately crumble. And we've looked at a number of those today. Let's stand firmly on the Word of God. We're glad that you joined us um, today on Let God Speak. If you've enjoyed this program, you can watch past programs on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also download teachers' resources there if you're leading your own Bible study. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We look forward to seeing you next time. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.